It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Welcome to Golden Hour Adventures Podcast. Today's guest is Devin Olson from Steamboat Springs. Welcome, Devin. Hey, how's it going? Good, you? Doing pretty good, man. Just uh, trying to adjust to the snow here. Yeah, sounds like you got a little bit of snow last night or all day today. Last night and all day today, yeah. Jealous. <laughs> we just got cold and wind here. <laughs> a little bit of snow. <laughs> so tell us a little about yourself. Devin, how'd you get into running? Were you a athlete as a kid? I was not an athlete as a kid. I did not really participate in any sports during mid, like middle school. I played like football in seventh grade and like eighth grade, but I pretty much stopped doing sports uh, freshman year and uh, just started playing music pretty much and uh, being in bands and that kind of thing and causing trouble. And then, uh, yeah, I moved to Pittsburgh uh, to go to school, and I hadn't been doing any sports or anything like that or running. I had done, like, a long, like, I don't know, maybe in high school or something like that, a 10K. It's called the Great Race in Pittsburgh, which is, like, the biggest 10K in Pennsylvania. Um, but, you know, just, to, like, finish it. And it was a death march, basically, to the finish. But it really kind of like sparked my interest, I would say, in running a little bit, knowing that maybe I could like do this, you know? And uh, I would say it was probably around like maybe when I was 20 and I was still like smoking cigarettes and being an idiot. And uh, I went through like a bad breakup of many years and like just kind of like got really unhealthy and like skinny and not like the good kind of skinny and just like realized like I needed to make some changes. And, uh, I like just bought my first pair of running shoes, which I don't even think they were running shoes. They were like some like, you know, Nike, like shocks or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> just started going out for like three mile runs every once in a while. And what did, didn't get super consistent with it, but like maybe I was going a couple times a week kind of thing, but like I just knew like I felt good after I did it, you know? And uh, eventually like I signed up for my first half marathon. I think it was in 2011, I believe, in Pittsburgh when I was living there and uh, did that. It was probably the furthest I'd ever gone at the time and struggled through that and then i kind of mildly caught the bug i would say um and like quickly thereafter signed up for my first marathon um and yeah my first marathon was in pittsburgh in 2012 and yeah like smoking cigarettes and my first marathon overlapped which is kind of crazy to think about and like shortly thereafter <laughs> that first marathon like i kind of like decided like what am I doing this is so stupid I'm like going out for like 12 mile run and then going out with buddies drinking beers and like smoking cigarettes like so eventually like I just was like all right um, it's time to stop and I quit cold turkey and haven't smoked a cigarette since so that's definitely an accomplishment in itself um and then you know that was 2012 so that was in May I believe and I 
definitely had caught the bug after I ran that first marathon. That was the, one of the hardest things I've ever done. I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I think I probably ate like the whole entire time, maybe like two gels. And, uh, I was just bonking my face off the last six miles, you know, like couldn't see straight. It was cramping up. I was like, what the hell is happening? You know, <laughs> but, uh, I liked it. Like I realized that I'm making friends with pain and, uh, it's, I think it's a valuable, uh, skill in life to learn that. And then, uh, shortly thereafter that I, signed up for my first trail race. I realized people run on trails after that. And it was called the Marshall Mangler 50 K. I don't think they have it anymore. It was in this place called North park near uh, Pittsburgh. And, uh, I was like second in my first 50 K. And, uh, that was like kind of like the beginning of it all. I would say. And like, basically right after that, I, it, I got addicted to it pretty quick. Um, that was like in November 11th, 2013 or 12, I guess. 12? I think it was 2012. I remember that because it's my brother's birthday. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, then I signed up for my first 50 miler, which was Table Rock Ultras in uh, North Carolina. And that was like a 54 mile race at the time. I don't even think they have the 50 miler anymore, but I just wanted to like see if I could do it. I was you know, social media was starting to become a thing and found out about all these different great runners and stuff and like found out about the Western States 100 and all the really in just this short span of time, maybe like a year or so, I realized that people run really, really far, you know, and I was like, holy shit, people run 100 miles. This is insane, <laughs> you know. But I was like, I kind of want to like see if I can like do a 50 miler. And then I did Table Rock and I did really well there. And then I signed up. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Laurel Highlands race, Laurel Highlands 70 mile race in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. It's a really sweet race. It's a 70 mile point to point uh, race. And it's a really great, just, just the whole entire trail basically signed up for that. And, uh, this is all like in a, you know, like I said, in a span of like a year from probably my first marathon and, uh, and I won it for the first time, you know, and that's kind of when I realized that like, Oh, like I'm actually like kind of good at this, you know, cause I really have always had a relationship with running when I first started with more of like a mental health thing, like something that keeps me sane. It makes me have a better, the whole rest of my day is better if I go for a run, you know? Um, and then, you know, that's kind of when I realized that maybe I could like get better at something like that. And then that same year, man, I ran a lot of races that year. I would never do that now. Um, did the burning river 100. Um, and yeah, I think I was like a sixth or eighth or seventh or something like that. My first hundred. And that was like a real wake up call. I would, that was really tough race i remember like the last 30 miles like i couldn't even believe it how hard it was um but yeah that's when it like i realized like oh this is like what i love to do like this is what like i wake up and i think about and like when i go to bed this is what i'm thinking about like and this is like what gets me stoked and gets me up in the morning you know um so yeah that's kind of like the story of my intro to, to running basically. And it kind of like just took off from there and like, you know, moved to Colorado, 
probably about a year after because I realized that I wanted to be in the mountains. And uh, yeah, I haven't looked back since. It's been great. When you got your start, were you um, were you coached by anyone? Did you kind of just build your own training plan? How how did that? Because I just see your first hundred, you you got um, uh, seventh place in your first hundred, and at a time of eighteen twenty two, which you know for someone in their first hundred, that's an incredible. I mean, that's an incredible time for anybody, to be honest with you. But um, for your first one, you know, not having that experience, that's huge. Were were you coached? Did you build your own plan? No, I definitely didn't get coached until like years later. Um, I, you know, I guess like I remember for training for the marathon and stuff, like I followed like that, like Hal Higdon, he had like these like free online like guides. So like, and I kind of like did that, but it was like mostly like and then i discovered like of course like anton Kropichka and stuff and i was like holy shit this guy runs a lot you know <laughs> and uh maybe uh that's when i realized like i wanted to like run more like more volume you know um and i it's funny because i never did any like structured speed training back then at all like i do a lot of it now but um i just kind of ran hard when I wanted to run hard and fed off of inspiration, you know, and like tried to like really just have a good time. Like when I was living in Pittsburgh before I moved to Colorado, I'd like work a 16 hour day at this pizza shop and I'd get out sometimes at like two in the morning. And I remember one time I like got out at two in the morning and like went home and got ready. And I went out for like a 30, 30 mile run around the city. And it was like, it was just like, <laughs> I was, I know it was crazy. Like, at the looking back at it, I honestly would probably not do that now, but <laughs> I was just so inspired and like so stoked at the time. It was like when like Timothy Olson was breaking the record at Western States, and I had like just discovered all these different like interesting people in the sport and uh realized like, hey, these people aren't like you know, like jocks or like. I was always a musician, you know, I'm like, I never really got into sports, you know, I never really liked sports. I didn't even really like competing at all. I still kind of don't in a way, but I don't know. I realized these are like the kind of people that like I could probably like have a conversation with and have a beer with and like, just like, I don't know. They're like chill people, you know? But yeah, I think that like inspiration was really high when I got into it and just the stoke of like seeing you know like when you first start running you just like start seeing like you really take these massive leaps really quickly and you uh you improve you see your improvements like day to day month to month you know even and then like year to year like you just start seeing yourself progressing and you're like it's really nice it feels good to see that like now the the gains are like harder to come by, of course, but and it's hard they're harder to see for me, I think. But I think like that inspiration and uh you know, just having a love for nature too. Like I grew up hanging out in the woods when I was a kid, you know, and like I think that rolled over to trail running, you know. And once I discovered trail running, I was like, screw that, I'm not doing road races anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, seeing the gains early on. I'm over here like, man, where are those things at? I'm still waiting on them. <laughs> oh yeah, <right. laughs> they're coming all oh, that treadmill work you're gonna do this winter just oh yeah yeah it's gonna be fun <laughs> prs on the treadmill 
or you uh, who, who you're coached by now? Um, I'm actually not coached anymore. I've been like coached on and off by Justin Ricks, uh, that owns Mad Moose events for a while. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of like naturally like ended. He's really helped me out a lot over the years and really taught me a lot about how, how to put together a training plan and like, you know, how to like train, like quote unquote, a little more professionally, you know, like put together like some really hard workouts and like be a little bit you know, focus on specificity and uh, really helps me gain a little bit more confidence in myself because I've never really been like, it, you know, just in the last like, I don't know, five years or so, I've been like approaching some races and being like, I want to go and I want to win this today. Like, or I want to go and I want to get top 10 or whatever the goal is, right? Like, I used to kind of just go like, oh, I just kind of want to like finish this. Like, I want to just get this done, like see if I can do it, you know? So he's kind of, he really helped me with that and like get a little bit more confidence in myself. So I really like applaud him for sure for helping me get that this far, honestly. Yeah. Shout out to Justin Ricks. Mad yeah, Moose. <laughs> so you, you also run for Mad Moose, right? I don't really, not really. I mean, like, I don't really run for anybody, honestly. <laughs> um, I'm not sponsored or anything like that. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not committed. Have you ever <laughs> been approached uh, for a sponsorship? No, I mean, there was a point when I would, was getting a bunch of free shoes and stuff and gear from like Innovate. And then um, a few years back, I did really well at the Silver Rush 50 miler. Um, and at the time it was a course record. I think it got broken since, but uh, New Balance, this guy, Andrew Leatherby, he used to work for new balance and he started sending me like tons of free gear and shoes, which I loved because I wore new balance already pretty much almost exclusively. So that was like pretty exciting, but they don't really do much in the trail world anymore. And maybe they just didn't want me. I have no idea, but um, yeah, that kind of fizzled out also, but no, I've never really like had any one approach me about like, real sponsorships or anything like that and i don't really know how much of an how much i actually want to be get into that world to be honest yeah it seems okay. like it's a, a pretty pretty niche world when it comes to being sponsored as a runner you know I, I, robbie and i always talk about this um that it, it's funny that in any other professional sport you know exactly how much an athlete makes but for some reason in the running world like it's a it's a top secret you got to crack a code yeah. to like I just want to know, like, what does a professional yeah. ultra runner make? I I don't know. I just and it's or a runner in general. What's interesting about it also is that it's not based on like necessarily ability or results so much. Like, you know, in the NBA, like somebody that's like Michael Jordan, he's going to make way more money than some dude that's like half as good as him, right? But like in running it's like especially this ultra running thing it's like so much about social media these days which i'm yeah. terrible at um <laughs> and like you know like i don't know it's i don't know there's like there is a like a touch of superficiality going on there i think and like I, it's not really like something i love and i go back and forth for sure and sometimes i'll be like you know i get it and like people want you to tell a story and they want to like know who you are and 
you know, know that, you know, I listen to all these podcasts now and running and they're like, we want more than results. Like we want, like, you know, they have to be more than that or like, you know, not so single focused or whatever. Like, well, it's like, you know, you should just be who you want to be, you know, like, like, I don't know. I just feel like you have to try so hard, like to like play the game. I don't want to play the game. (laughs) You just want to go for a run. I just want to go run dude and like go and compete with myself and others. And I don't want to like, I always think that I think about this all the time. I just don't want to like not love running, you know, like it's important to me. Like that's why I started doing it and that's why I still do it. Like, and that's why I still race. Like who knows, maybe next year or the year after, maybe I'll just be like, screw this. I don't want to race anymore. Like, but I'll still have running, you know, like, I'll still be able to go out my door and like go jog up the mountain or whatever. Like maybe I won't be like doing like structured workouts or anything like that, but with like a goal in mind, but like I'll always have that, you know, and I don't want to like forget that. Yeah, that's awesome. What what keeps you motivated to run? Um, I just, like I said earlier, like, I just have a better day if I, um, I go for a run, you know, like it just makes everything better, you know, like even if it's just like four miles or something like a little jog, it's just like, I just feel better. Like I feel more healthy. Like it's just, it's all connected. You know, I like, I'll eat better. I'll, you know, not go out and have a million beers. Like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) And also, you know, like, I can't, I'm not going to like try to sit here and lie that I don't want to go and like sign up for a race and go whoop everyone's ass. Like, sure. I want to do that. Like, who doesn't want to do that? And like, I look at it now I'm 34 and I'm like, man, I don't have that many years left in this like game, you know, like competing. And I, that keeps me a little bit motivated right now for sure. Like, Hey, I want to go like, you know, go and like, race and do well like go top 10 at western states and like i was third at leadville in 2019 like i want to go like try to win that race like i want to like do these bigger more competitive races like while i can you know like these these years are flying by you know and it's it's a blast but before you know it i'm going to be 45 you know or 50 or whatever like and i know with the 100 mile game it it's not quite as much of an issue because there are like plenty of dudes that are like 40, 45, like, and like kicking ass, you know, but when it comes to the shorter stuff, like 50 K's and like 50 milers, like when I say shorter, it's funny that I say that, (laughs) you know, like it is like a young man's game anymore. Like it's so fast. It's insane how fast people are running these races. Like, and I want to like, you know, use my speed while I've got it, you know? But yeah, like, of course, like, my plan is when I turn 40, I'm like, I want to do the Colorado Trail, like, because everyone's like, you want to do the 200-mile race? I'm like, no, dude, I don't want to do that yet. Uh (laughs) And I'm so totally good on that. I'm like, I have enough pain during a 100-mile race at the moment, so, you know. I've had so many people tell me they're easier, though. I don't know. It's, It's just hard to believe, like, I know you're slower, you 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 know, you're going slower, but it just some people go slower. Some people run them freaking fast, man. I'm like, holy shit. Like green well, bean last year at, at uh 
Cocodona, like he was flying. Yeah, dude. What was that? The Joe McConaughey or whatever his name is? Yeah, yeah. Green Bean, yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, like you said you're going to interview Avery and like I've been friends with Avery for a while. We moved to Colorado together and like he did the Colorado 200, which isn't a race anymore. And like I've seen him do these really long races before and he's like totally destroyed for like two months minimum, (laughs) you know, like and I'm like, ah, that like dissuades me a little bit. I'm like, I don't think I want to like be destroyed. Like I take much value. I like, I value going for like short runs, like not every day, sometimes every day. Like, but I don't know, like, I don't, I'm not ready for that yet. Maybe, I mean, I'm sure eventually I will want to do this really long form, uh, approach, but in adventure style running, you know, but right now I want to focus on just like the racing aspect for at least a little bit longer, you know? We'll talk about uh, competitive races. You were at one this year, wasn't able to run it. Why don't you uh, give us a little story about your UTMB? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a nightmare. Um, man, it sucks because I was really well prepared for that race. I had a really, really great training going into it. I was super fit. I mean, like, my weeks were solid. I was uninjured, like, my biggest week, I did most of it here in Steamboat, like up in the Zirkles. I got like 151 miles with 38,000 feet of vertical gain. Like, Jeez. yeah, it was like I was in great shape. And then like I got there and I I got there a week early and I thought that was going to be great. And the jet lag was real. I didn't sleep. I was up at like three in the morning every day. And then re- really the the main thing that happened is I pulled my groin like probably around like mile 40 ish. Um, and it's weird because it didn't happen. Like suddenly it happened when I stopped at this aid station and I go to like, I got filled, refilled my bottles, like got some food or whatever and, uh, walk out. And like, I'm like limping. I'm like, what in the fuck is going on, dude? Like, (laughs) and I was just like, so freaked out about that. And, uh, then of course that got to my head because, you know, my groin hurt a lot. Um, and yeah, and then I proceeded to blow up. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was quite a learning experience. Um, you know, everyone always says that they learn the most from, um, their failures more than their like successes. And I know that's true, but it just sucks when it happens like that, you know, like it's just, it's life, man. You know, sometimes that sometimes it goes and sometimes it doesn't, you know? So yeah, it was, it was a good experience and I just hope that I'm able to someday get back into that race. Like sometime before I'm 40, it would be pretty sweet if I could, it's just, they, they're making it so hard to get into that damn race now. Like I earned my way into that race, which I'm actually more proud of, of that than, you know, everyone's like, you know, you should be proud. You did 50 miles. I'm like, I'm not proud of that. Like I fucking dropped out, dude. Like that sucks. Like, you know, like there's nothing fun about that or like, there's no like glory in that, you know, like, especially after you train your ass off for something like that, like all summer long, you know? And it was my first international race. There's just so many factors that went into it, I would say. Um, but yeah, like I was, when when you're hobbling out of an aid station like in pain it's like not reassuring that you're going to be able to go 50 more miles you know like um 
so yeah, that was a really, really tough time. And I struggled with that a lot after I got back and, and I knew it was going to be like that. I mean, it's like that anytime you have a really shitty race, you're just like pretty bummed out about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you move on and you, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps as uh, my mom used to say. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, move on to the next thing and start, it took me a while to start running again, though. I'm not going to lie. So that was like in August. And that whole month of like September, I was just like, dude, I don't want anything to do with running. Like, I don't want to see anything on social media. I don't want to talk to my running friends. I don't want like, I don't want to run. I just want to be away from it. Like, I'm just like sick of it right now. And, uh, you know, my girlfriend's like, you need to sign up for something. <laughs> <laughs> she's like you need to go out and run because she's she knows how like i just am happier i'm running you know and i eventually like started like you know start it's just like starting from scratch it's funny how you lose it so fast you know like you get out of shape and fat and out of shape so fast like it takes forever to get into really good shape but you could just take like three weeks basically off and you're like back to square one you know and so yeah, I just started doing little jogs again and trying to get out for the right reasons and uh you know, decided to sign up like I think it was like a month ago or so, maybe a little over a month ago I decided to sign up for the Bandera 100k. And uh that kind of like started lighting a fire under my ass a little bit, you know. You going for a ticket? I'm going to try. You know, obviously that could go a lot of different ways and it's very competitive, but yeah, I'm going to train to get the golden ticket and I'm going to prepare myself like I want to get the golden ticket and uh, yeah, I'm going to go out there and race like I want to get the golden ticket. So, but who knows, you know, like I could blow the fuck up or I could just have a bad race or whatever or who knows maybe there'll just be five guys that are better than me but like i don't want to it's hard to find that line between like confidence and being cocky you know it's like you want i've i've found that like when i'm like a little too confident like that's when things can go wrong sometimes and then like when i'm not confident enough like i underperform so it's it's hard to find that balance i think you know yeah for sure but yeah, I definitely want to go there. I mean, I'm definitely going there with the intention of getting into Western States. Absolutely. You had mentioned a little bit about um, getting back into UTMB. What are your thoughts on the the new process? Because, you know, I had points leading up to before they changed it. You know, I wanted to run the, the 100K, the Triple C. But now it's, you know, unless you run a UTMB sponsored race, it's almost impossible to get the stones to qualify for it's such a it's such a difficult process to you know even decipher on how to get into this thing yeah dude they're monopolizing the sport it's crazy i don't know that's a whole nother conversation in itself um it's frustrating for sure um it's like you know one of the things that i fell in love with with the ultra running community was like the grassroots feel and i think like that's one thing i don't like about these big races like utmp is it makes it takes that whole feel away you know like i don't know i have mixed feelings about it like 
obviously it's the biggest platform for a hundred mile racing in the whole entire world for a reason, you know, like, but it's like, it's almost like a little much. Like when I was in Chamonix the whole week before the race, it was just like a little overwhelming for me, you know, like, um, I'm just like, I just want to be like in peace, like, and just chilling out, like not like it, it's just, there's all these events going on and just people being crazy all over the place. And, you know, I'm not trying to like bash the race or anything like that. Obviously it's rad and their course is freaking unbelievable, but, um, yeah, the Alps are sick, dude. Like, <laughs> holy crap. Oh my God. It's unbelievable how beautiful it is. Um, but it is just like a little bit much, you know, like, I don't know. There's like, it's just, you know, that's what I like about, like, I did the San Juan Solstice. I've done that a couple of times and I really love that race so much. Like, I, I think it's the best 50 mile race in the whole country. I truly do. And it's probably the hardest, um, but it just has still, it, it attracts like a good bit of competition not like on the scale of utmb but it still maintains that like grassroots like feel that like i like about ultra running you know like i don't know it's it's a non-profit race also which i think that might have something to do with it um because you know all these big companies are getting into this sport and i don't know how good it is for it i don't know i mean there's positives and there's negatives to anything, but you know, when it becomes like a for-profit thing, like to a high degree, not every race, but it just, there's something that's lost there. I think sometimes, you know, I don't know, just an yeah, opinion. I agree. I mean, I bash look at that. Oh no. I mean, like when lifetime bought Leadville, yeah, good example. And, you know, yeah. they thought they were just going to start making tons of money, and they found out the hard way that there's not a lot of money in this. <laughs> there can be, like UTMB, but Leadville's still trying to figure it out. Well, you know, it's there like are that. races that do it right, you know, like Western States and like Hard Rock. Like, those races don't feel like that, you know? Like, Hard Rock is you know, there's, it's got its own issues, of course, but, um, it's like still like a very community oriented feel like, um, like I've been down there a couple of times for the race just to like, check it out. And, you know, they, they do a lot for the communities and I don't know, it's just, I, I think that more races need to follow that platform a little bit more. I mean, who am I to say like people can do whatever the hell they want. Right. But um, <laughs> if they want to create a great race that everyone wants to go to, not just like certain like groups of people, then that's what I think they need to do. You know, like follow, like look at the, the races that are doing it right. And also one thing with UTMB, I think one of the reasons probably things have changed a little bit is Ironman just in the last like year and a half bought that race. So like, yes. yeah, like there's always like the, it's always the bottom line with these kind of things. Like, well, what's going to make more money, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. And those things that changes like the feel of the event, I think a lot, you know, but at the same time, Jackson. you know, it's Western States wouldn't be as rad as it is if 
they didn't like charge like four or five hundred bucks to get in like you know that's like people really complained about these high rent high entry fees and i understand that but i think that like a lot of times sometimes like it's going to good places you know like i don't know i like both yeah. you know there's a lot of good races out there th- there is what do you think about the hard rock lottery process Oh, well, I'm, we've had lots of discussions about it. Good Lord, man. Um, <laughs> it always comes think, up every time. <laughs> I think that I wish that they would choose me to get in. I'm on- <laughs> hey, watch out. You're going to take up my one ticket this year. So uh, are you here? Is this your first year trying to get yeah, in? It's my first year in this one and Western. What was your qualifier? Bighorn. Bighorn right on, dude. Yeah. I I have a lot of people in Steamboat that have done. Uh, I know a lot of people in Steamboat that have done Bighorn, and I've only heard good things about that race. So yeah, you mentioned grassroots, and you know I, I, that was only my second hundred miler. But um, just, and I say this almost every podcast as well. But that's such a cool race. I would highly suggest going down there and doing it. It's just, or actually going up, but it's right. it's a really cool race, and it's got that grassroots feel. Like some of your volunteers have been volunteering for like twenty years for that race. And it's like, you know, they have that aid station and that's theirs, you know, and they've kind of made it their own. It's just, you know, they're just sitting around a campfire at night when you're coming through and it's just really cool. It's just, it is that grassroots feel to it. And I feel that's like the same thing for like races like Wasatch and the bear, like and these older hundred milers that are like sick, like they don't attract quite the amount of competition that like races like UTMB do, obviously. Yeah. But, like those races are races I've thought of, I've wanted to do those races for so long. I'm just like, eventually I'm going to work this into the schedule, but unfortunately there's only so much time and only so much energy, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, those are like the races that I think that I enjoy the most, you know, like all the hoopla and stuff like that with UTMB is a lot when you're not used to it. I think um, that doesn't mean that I don't want to go back of course, but I think I'd, might not stay in Chamonix if I ever, if I did go to do that again, I'd probably go to the other side and stay in Cormier in Italy um, just to kind of get away from it before the race. Um, I don't know. And, you know, it's cool. Like, just imagine, like, going top 10 at UCMB, like, how sick that would be. Like, obviously, (laughs) extremely high hopes, but, like, you know, it would be freaking awesome. Like, yeah, it would feel good to, like, have everyone cheering for you. Like, of course it would. And it, one of the cool things about UTMB, my favorite thing was when you came into those aid stations, people were going nuts. I could not believe it. I was like grinning ear to ear, dude. Like people just slapping your hands. There was this one moment I remember, I don't remember. It was like one of the first couple aid stations that I came into and apparently a bunch of runners in front of me had like there's this little kid and they missed you know he was trying to give him high fives and they must have missed him and like everyone was pointing at this little kid like hey give him a high five give him a high five and i like went out of my way and like reached and got him and everyone just like erupted dude it was so (laughs) cool like i'm like this is freaking awesome man like people celebrate trail running there which is just so exciting like that's one thing that you know I wish we had a little bit more of like, I live here in steamboat and like freaking most people that live here don't even know it's the biggest cash prize of any hundred miler in the world right here in steamboat. You know, I'm like, 
how do you not know that? You know, like, <laughs> I guess that it is a niche sport and everything like that, but I mean, still it's a pretty big stage you now. Like, yeah. but you know, it's a ski bike town. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> I've always heard of the, uh, what'd you think of the aid stations at UTMB? I've heard uh, all kinds of different things like best buffet ever. You know, I probably don't take advantage of those buffets. Like, it was weird. I was eating, like, like cheese and bread and stuff like that, like, which, of course, normally I wouldn't do that. But, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. My my nutrition plan was pretty planned out going into it. Like, you know, mostly sugar, like, a little bit of solid if I can. Like, I probably should adjust that a little bit, but... um. I don't think I like, I don't, I try not to linger at the aid stations and like eat a whole bunch of food, you know, unless I'm like bonking my face off or something like that, or my stomach's growling. But even so it's like, really is what I like to do is eat like a peanut, little few bites of a peanut butter jelly sandwich or something like that, you know, or. That's the difference in a front of the pack and a back of the pack. I take full advantage. (laughs) And that's what I like about pacing like people that are slower at races like when they're 80 miles in, I'm like, dude, I don't even need to bring gels with me. I'm just going to freaking eat like grilled cheese <laughs> at all the aid stations, you know, like this is going to be awesome. There's bacon, like all kinds of stuff, you know. Uh, I listened to a podcast the other day. It was a, a you know, a, an elite. He was talking about, you know, he paces people that have run, you know, 30 plus hour, 100 milers. And he's like, man, I love it because I can just like chill and hang out and get to know people and eat all the good food at the aid stations. He's like, I never get to do this when I'm running. So it's, it's kind of funny hearing that different perspective. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always been kind of a gel guy and I do, I've gotten into like, um, more like drink mixes and stuff these days, like the Morton's and tailwind. I've just gotten into the tailwind a little bit, but at the end of the day, like these races that have tons of climbing, like, you do need to eat some solid food. Like even if you're fast, like, like a few bites of pizza or whatever, something digestible, like easily digestible. Like I've like found eating like, I don't know, like turkey wraps or something like that. Like really just kind of eases the stomach a little bit. Like, cause it sucks when you're out there and you're like grinding and your stomach is growling you're like well the gels aren't gonna like fix that you know, <laughs> you know like, i mean like at the end of the day like that means you probably need to eat some real food you know yeah but Which, at the end, also though if it's a shorter race like a 50 miler you're like well i'm not gonna eat any real food like i'm gonna i'm gonna get this bitch done like i'm just gonna pound all the sugar and salt and water i can and like nuke it to the finish if I can, you know. What's your let's talk about your aid station strategy. So when you're going into the aid station, let's just say in a hundred miler. Uh-huh. Um, what's your thought process of going into those aid stations? Uh I do it the American way, man. I, I'm in and out, you know. Like in Europe they like to like linger a lot of times and I just kind of like to if I have a crew, which a lot of times I do, um, I like to, uh, have everything ready to go and have another set of bottles or whatever, if I'm wearing a pack or whether I'm doing handhelds or whatever I'm doing, kind of have all that ready and just like, 
maybe I'll pick up a couple gels or whatever, but like, you know, that can make or break you sometimes. I think like spending too much time at the aid station and, you know, they say, beware of the chair, you know, um, yep. which, you know, it's different. Every race is different. Like at a race, like run rabbit run. Yeah. You're going to be like raging through the aid stations for like the first half, but, and then you might take a little bit more time, like at the like last couple, like the last aid station you see your crew in that race is you still have a 50 K to the finish. Like you just go up to the high country for the last 50 K and, uh, you want to like not leave there without like having all the things you need, you know, and like eating some real food before you start that big climb, like just trying to, it, it, it is, you're, it's like worth it to, uh, get a little in you and like maybe be a little too full or something leaving that aid station because it's going to benefit you in the long run. But every race is a little bit different, you know, like, like I said, if it's 50 miles and below, I'm probably not going to spend too much time at those aid stations if I can possibly help it unless I'm having a shit storm, which happens every now and again. <laughs> Do you have a brand of gels you prefer? Uh, Historically, I've just kind of done a lot of Roctanes, um, which some people hate because they say they're hard on the stomach, which they are hard on the stomach, but they also are like rocket fuel. Um, but I recently have just gotten into the Morton gels. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever tried. Have you guys tried those yet? I haven't. Morton? No. Morton, yeah, heard. dude. Elliot Kipchoge takes Morton, man, and Killian. That's all you need to know. Uh, <laughs> Um, but they're like a new company. I think they're from like Sweden or something like that. Uh, maybe Switzerland. I don't know. I can't remember, but they're like the most expensive gels, which kind of sucks. Um, they're like the consistency of like almost jello. It's really interesting, but they're really easy on the stomach and they seem to work really well, but I'm not super picky, man. Like I'll eat whatever, you know, like, if there's only like hammer gels, like I'll eat the hammer gels, like at the aid station, it doesn't really matter. But, um, I always have high hopes that I'm going to eat like those waffles and stuff like that. But by the time you're like 20 or so miles in, you're like mouth is dry and you're like, I don't really want this freaking waffle. Right now, you know, let's <laughs> just, you know, put a hundred calories of a gel down the hatch. Like, let's get it done. You know, um, how many calories? How many calories did you try to take an hour? Well, that's changing. I am, I've been trying to change my strategy a little bit and it, it worked really well at San Juan Solstice this year. I, I don't ever really count, but I have a friend, a buddy, Kyle Curtin. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but he's yeah. really good yep. from Durango. And this dude can pound like four or 500 calories an hour. It's freaking unbelievable. Yeah. He can really put the calories down. He'll do tailwind in like two bottles and then he'll be putting gels down on top of that with like salt pills. Like, like, Holy crap, man. Like, how do you do that? But he's like, he swears by it. So I tried it. I've been trying that this summer and it worked really well for me. Like at San Juan souls Granted, my stomach was totally screwed up afterwards, but, and that's also cause I ran pretty hard, but I bet you I was doing 400 calories an hour. Like, wow. And I was just eating whatever I could. I mean, I had Morton and like, I think both bottles, maybe pretty sure both bottles. And then uh, 
which is their drink mix also. And then I was doing like rock tains and salt pills on top of that. So I was like, got to the mile 48 station and I'm like wired, you know, <laughs> and that, oh, and drinking Coca-Cola. I drink a lot of Coca-Cola at these races, you know, Coca-Cola is maybe the best racing drink there is. In my opinion, it'll bring you out of some dark places. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. I don't drink regular soda in real life, but in races, I like get my, you know, 12 pack of Coca-Cola and I'm like stoked about it. I'm like, I'm drinking Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nutrition is one of those things it's an ongoing process you know like i don't really know if i'll ever master it like and there's always new and better things coming out and some things work good for some people and some things work good for other people but for me i think being flexible is pretty important you know it helps a lot so you took second place this year at San Juan Solstice? Yeah, I know. It's frustrating. I ran one of the yeah. fastest. I ran like the eighth fastest time this year, and I was still second place. My buddy Dan, he lives here in Steamboat, and he's like, you know, it really sucks for you. He's like, you ran really fast this year at San Juan Solstice, and you were still second. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> <That's old. laughs> What's the what, San Juan Solstice? You like like ten thousand feet average most of the time, aren't you? Um, probably average. Yeah, you're up at like twelve to thirteen thousand for like a ten to thirteen mile stretch. So you're up high for a lot of it. You're above the tree line for a long time for sure. Um, up on the Continental Divide Trail. Yeah, that race is sick, man. It's, I mean, it's a. I'm I'm a sucker for loop courses for sure. Um, or points points. And that is just one single loop where you get two giant climbs and one like medium climb. And it is the perfect technicality, like high elevation, classic Colorado race, you know, like I, I definitely like that one a lot. I, I hope to get back there again sometimes. And like, it's a charity race, you know, like it benefits, I believe like the EMS of Lake city, you know, like, really good food and stuff afterwards and just a good party in the park afterwards. It's a cool little cowboy town, you know, like really rustic and I don't know. Yeah. But that, that course is really epic for sure. Oh, what'd you think about Gorge this year? What's that? What'd you think uh, about Gorge? Well, I was in pretty bad shape going into that. I was kind of a little warm up. Um, the course was cool. I'm glad I did the 50k and not the 100k. I don't think I'd want to do that twice, but um because it was just like out and back. But yeah, I mean, I had never been out there before and uh to Oregon and it is really lush and really beautiful out there and those trails are super fun. Like I totally want to go out there and just do like a good little training effort, like just go out there and have a good time, you know, and enjoy the trails rather than have like a race kind of thing. Um, it was cool. Yeah. I really, really want to go out there and explore a lot more, but yeah, that was, it was really well run. Um, like Dylan Bowman is the, um, race director there and they, I would say they had maybe the best buffet of food and beer and stuff that I've been to like of any other race. I don't know though. Have you guys ever heard of the Jemez Mountain Runs in New Mexico? Yeah, I did. 
I did the 50k. Okay, right on. Yeah, I think that's the best buffet, like party, post race party, because they have first you start out with like hot dogs and hamburgers, and they have like kegs of beer and like cans of beer. And then they bust out some authentic Mexican food, like, after that. Like, it's just a good time. You can sleep in the parking lot after. Oh, that's right. I feel like I saw you there that one time. Um, <laughs> He's never been to Glacier Hills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to put that one on your list. It's you're a small little. A, you're talking about a buffet, grassroots, ultra. <laughs> Glacier Hills, where's that one? South Dakota. Oh, South, in South Dakota. Dakota. Cool. Yeah. I've only done been to South Dakota one time and that was for the Black Hills. So I I'd love to come out there and do some more exploring. What'd you think of the Black Hills 50 miler? It was hot. It was really for me, coming from Colorado at that time of year, I was pretty hot. It was the course was sick though. Yeah. It was really fun. I don't like I said, I would I'm glad I did the fifty miler and not the hundred miler. Cause then you don't have to go out and back. But um yeah. It was a really good course. It was really well organized and good party after. Those are the things I look for. Good party after. <laughs> um, yeah, it was fun. It was a good trip. Went out there with one of my buddies and my girlfriend, and we all ran it and we all finished, and it was fun. That was my first hundred. Oh, you did it! Oh yeah. man, Hundo. <laughs> oh man, turning around at that fifty-mile mark must be mentally difficult. Yeah, that was uh I used to live in South Dakota, so that was kind of a training ground. So I knew what knew, I knew what to expect when I had to go back up that that hill, that climb. Yeah, that that last that was a pretty legit descent coming back down into town there. Yeah. Um that's the fun yeah, part. It's a really fun single track <laughs> out there though. A really, really pretty. Yeah, that trail's a hundred and what, hundred and twenty nine miles long or something like that. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool. Uh, the FKT just got broke this year. I think he did a forty something, maybe 39, 40, 40 hours on it. Unsupported. Damn, are you guys interested in doing something like that? No, <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> I think Robbie could. Uh, I think Robbie has the capacity to break the uh, the FKT on it. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to do a supported though. Are you going to, well, yeah, but, um, are you interested in that long form kind of thing? Yeah. 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 I want to get into that. Um, what have you guys been doing this year for races? Man, I ran, um, I went down to run black Canyon. I just did the 60 K as kind of a training run for Bighorn. I ran Bighorn and, then we just did a couple fat asses around the Black Hills. Um, and then we did, uh, Robbie and I went to a night race. Um, man, this, what's the race? I forget the name of the race. Nightcrawler. Yeah, the Nightcrawler. So that was kind of just like my end of, end of year, last ultra type thing. Um, but yeah, other than Bighorn and Nightcrawler, we kind of just, we did a couple 50K fat asses and, you know, I always like those just getting together with a bunch of people. And we did one that was, we ran through the night. It was, it was kind of cool. A buddy of ours got COVID before his first 50 K. Oh God. Um, and so, you know, we all kind of rallied around him after he, you know, was able to run again. And we just, we did his 50 K on the trail 
um, but we decided to start at 8 p.m. So it, wow. it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun just going out. And I think there was what like 12 of us, and we had like four yep. crew, and I don't know. It was just fun, you know, just kind of hanging out all night long, and that was a, a super cool. That was probably my most memorable, you know, running event of the year. I I, I really really enjoyed that. You know, that's yeah, what it's we, all about, you know, just going out with your boys and like just having a damn good time out there on the trails, you know? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It really was a fat ass races or, you know, you just get together or whatever you want to call them. Those are just a lot of, a lot of fun. But, and then Robbie yeah, we, uh, at the night crawler, he, he placed at the night crawler. Yeah, that was a fun, fun race. It started, what time did that one start? Eight o'clock too? Oh, six. six. Six, yeah, so it was a 12-hour loop course. It's just a timed event. I think that's a really interesting thing to do. So how many? How long was the loop? Eight miles. Eight miles. Oh, that's, like, ideal, isn't it? It's, like, not too repetitive, but it's well, logistically, you don't have to carry, like, tons of shit with you. Yeah, and they had an aid station, like, at four miles. Oh, that is, like, yeah. So start finish, there's an aid station, then four miles in. Yeah, that's an interesting. They did it uh, washing machine style, so you know, you flip back around and went the other oh, way. Oh, that's smart. Keeps things. Yeah, and it was really cool because you got to see all you got to see all your friends because they were you know depending where you're at. Sure, it was fun. And Kept it going. Twenty-four hour event, you said. Twelve hour. Twelve hour. Okay. Well, that's nice. It sounds a lot better than a twenty-four hour, huh? <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like the time to advance i think they're a lot of fun because there's no pressure you know unless you have like a goal like oh i'm gonna you know try to get 124 hours but i don't know just i had no goal i was just like going out there just to have fun with people you know robbie obviously had a goal but i i, I think those races are just fun you know you kind of have like a soft goal like i'd like to get this distance in this amount of time but i look at them as just kind of going out and just having fun with them totally yeah in 2000 well my last 100 i did scout mountain in 2019 um then after that i just played around for the rest of the year then covid sure then i didn't run till this year because i was just done with colorado and their covid stuff so <clears throat> i was just doing other stuff riding my bike camp and all that stuff then actually today's my year anniversary in south dakota um, Congrats! Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Do you love it then? Yeah. The yeah. then this year when um, I just lifted weights all last lot into last year. Then I hooked up with the Black Hills Runners Club. I think it was in June. And then I started running again. <laughs> That's good. It always sometimes it takes uh like a, some some social. Like, like events, you know, some run clubs and stuff like that to like get your ass out the door, you know. Well, you know, I was living, I was living in Lafayette, just right out of Boulder, and you know that whole scene. Yeah, you know, in Boulder, <laughs> the Boulder scene. I'm aware. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, I I kind of just was burnt out. Tell you the truth. Yeah, because yeah. you know, Boulder, it's who you are. They don't. It's not a. I mean, there's some good groups, but it's. Sure mostly who you are and how fast you can run yeah totally i mean you can't totally generalize but at the same time like yeah boulder bubble is a real thing you know yes <laughs> um those trails are badass though 
it's sick though at the same time like green and bear and like going running up there like those are sick trails like i'm not gonna lie oh, yeah. they're cool and everything but i like steamboat because there's a lot less people on the trails and it's far away from i-70 i don't know <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> you know like you have to People have to work to get here, which is, <laughs> it is still kind of a shit storm. And it's gotten to be pretty hectic even since I've lived here. I've lived here for like eight years and it's gotten even busier. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where like if you just go on the right trails, like you can avoid all of the bullshit, you know, like mm-hmm. people go to the, you know, the tourist spots. They go to Fish Creek Falls and they go to Spring Creek and blah, blah, blah. Like, well, you know what? I live right on the ski mountain and you have to, it's, you know, I've got 3,600 feet, 3,700 feet of vertical gain right in my backyard. And it's like the only people that make it to the top of the mountain are like badasses. You know what I mean? Like, and there's tons of single track out there. So like I do a lot of running on the ski mountain in the summertime. Um, and you can avoid a lot of the mountain bikers and stuff like that. Like, on the other hand, Emerald Mountain, which is the smaller mountain across the way, is like just totally crazy in the summertime. Just so many people and so many rude people also. And you're just gonna you're gonna like get done with your run and get back to your car or whatever and be like pissed off. It's like that's <laughs> not what I wanna that's not how I right? when I get done with my run, you know, like I don't want to be like fuck that guy, you know. Like I, <laughs> I kind of just want to be like, oh, oh, that was a really nice time. Like I'm, I'm feeling pretty tired, but that was good, you know. Like now I can go to work now, you know, or go on with the rest of my day. So you just have to up here. I think you have to pick and choose where you go, like at certain times of the year. And certain times of the year, like during the mud seasons, there are literally you might not see anybody on the trail. So that's kind of sick too. Um, but yeah, the front range is very congested. There is no doubt about it. There's a lot of good things about it, but um, like Colorado Springs, for instance, there are just tons of trails there. I mean, it's kind of underrated. I think Colorado Springs, just the trails there in general. I mean, the foothills are amazing. And then you've got like Pike's peak, like towering over everything, you know? Um, but at the same time, it's congested there too. I don't know. Colorado in general is gotten is pretty busy, you know, like, which is definitely frustrating. And the cost of living here sucks. Um, but you know, such is life. Like I could live back in Pennsylvania and not be happy. So I'm glad <laughs> I have to pay extra money, you know. And yeah, uh, a little give and take here and there, you know. Yeah. So what would you say your most memorable ultra was has been? Oh man. Memorable. Got him. Oh man, that's a <laughs> tough one. I mean, there's a lot of you mean like the best one, like my best race, or like just more, more most memorable in general? What 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 meant the most to you? Memorable in general, not your best performance. I would say, like, honestly, like, man, that's, I hope that I stick to this after this, after I answer this, because I'm, <laughs> maybe I'll change my mind, but 
I honestly think that first Laurel Highlands Ultra I did when I won it, like that was super special for me. Like my whole family came out and like just like that's when it like I realized like a little bit I realized my potential, you know, like just kind of knocking at the door, like, hey, like keep going, dude. Like keep on like keep on grinding, dude. Like this is uh yeah, it was a special experience and I really like I really like that trail a lot. It's really cool trail. Um that was like the first real trail that I actually ran, I would say. Like I did like the Glacier Ridge 50 miler, I think it was called. Um before that out it's also in Pennsylvania, kind of near Pittsburghish. And you know, those are like trails and stuff, but like real rugged trails like I would go out on the weekends to the Laurel Highlands to Ohio pile and I'd do out and backs and like that was like really humbling experience. And like, it's all connected to that first race. I think like working really like knowing what I like learning what I'm in for during the race. And like that first section, they call it gate to eight, like, um, like the first eight miles I would do like out and backs for however long I wanted to do it. And like one time I went out for like, it was a 32 mile run. I was like, I'm not going to turn around until 16. Cause and then I got to get back, you know, like if I can make it to 16, then I have to do 32. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I was so stupid back then, like just taking like not enough calories, not even close to enough water. Like, I took, like, I had my first pack. It was, like, an ultimate direction, like, Anton Kropitschka pack, like, and I, like, brought maybe, like, some chips and a banana and, like, a couple gels with me and, like, two bottles of water. And you know how it is in the East Coast. It's, like, hot and humid as hell, dude. Like, and I was out of water by, like, 10 miles in or something like that. So I was, like, (laughs) drinking from the streams, you know, like, I'm, like, thought I was like a badass or something. I'm like, yeah, I'm drinking from the streams, you know, no big deal. But it was like, by the end of it, it was like, holy shit, am I going to fucking make it back? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like out of calories with like 10 miles to go or something like that, you know, like bonking my face off. And like, it's like, I would park up, not like down in the town of Ohio pile. There was like a parking lot, maybe, I don't know four or 500 feet up from the trail. And like, I had to go up that to get to my car up this real shitty trail. And it was just like crawling up this trail, you know? And just like, I think that race, it's all connected, like the training for that race and that race, like that was like really memorable for me. Like I had a buddy that lives in my hometown and Warren, Pennsylvania paced me and my mom and my sister came and um I don't know it was just kind of like it was a special time you know like that doesn't really happen that much anymore so yeah it was maybe I was still learning a lot and I still am but I was really in the beginning stages of it all and it's it's special to share those moments with people that you love you know yeah definitely so it looks like Two months later, you ran Eastern States 100. Yeah, my first Eastern States. I did it, did it twice. Um, yeah, that race is sick, dude. Yeah, 
really, actually, I think that race might be the hardest 100 miler I've ever done. I'm not 100% really? on that, but yeah, I mean, in terms of technicality, it's just so rocky, dude. Like, and so steep. The climbs are steep. I think it's like 22 grand of climbing or something right around there. Um, and yeah, just hot as fuck. And like, it rained on me. The weather is just crazy there like so hot so humid and uh it's it's also a hundred mile loop course which i'm a sucker for like i said um <laughs> so yeah i went there i think it was like 2014 or something like that and then i went back again a couple years later and then uh improved which is good um and at the time i set the course record the second time i went went back but and then it got destroyed again so yeah, I had a really good time at Eastern States both times I went. Um, and I really love running in Pennsylvania a lot, which I would love to get back to do some races out east because it doesn't really get as much credit as it deserves. Like these West Coast races definitely get a lot more attention, which there's some, you know, some of it makes sense because it does attract like more compet more competition, you know, like that's a fact. Um, but the courses in general, like that quest for the crest race, like did that 50 K out there in uh, North Carolina. That's like the hardest 50 K I've ever done, dude. It was like 11 grand of climbing and a 50 K and God. it was just so rocky and Rudy the whole time. Like so tough, you know, like, so and people are guys guys and girls are running that thing like fast man like and it is still competitive out there don't get me wrong but it just hasn't quite attracted the attention and like i think that races like western states should maybe have like some more like maybe a golden ticket race out there would be helpful um which I really like it kind of pisses me off a little bit. They have like UTMB is a golden ticket race for Western States. Like, does that make any <laughs> sense to you? Like that's no. totally different races. Like there are plenty of races on the East coast that make a lot more sense to be golden ticket races in my opinion. But you know, who am I to say, I don't make these decisions. Um, Let's be real. If you win UTMB, I mean, you want to go to Western States. I was going to say, what's <laughs> Western like, States? That, that. Dude. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's funny because you you do see that. Like, you look at the people that that win UTMB, and it's like they trickle down to like fifth place until someone like accepts it. Like, because like Killian Journey doesn't want to go back to freaking Western States. Like, he could care less about Western States. Like, I don't know. That's it's a totally different kind of race. You train differently. It's like a true mountain race you know like western states is more mountainous than it gets credit for but at the same time it's like fast you know like people run it fast you know um just look at the winning times they're like six hours different or more you know like right um How so does the trail I, compare? I, could, I could complain about that all day just because maybe i have a little bit of bias being from the east coast but I do like wish there was a little bit more love out there for sure. Like, love. is there any golden ticket races in the East? No. Not wow. They used to have Georgia death race, but not anymore. Oh. Yeah. 
I know it is interesting, but they Texas have races probably the in furthest. Europe. They have races in Europe that are golden ticket races, but they don't even have any on the East Coast. It's really weird. I think Texas is the furthest east they go, isn't it? Yeah. Bandera. That sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to check on that, but I think you're right about that. Um, which is just, I don't know, it's a little like weird. I think, you know. Like well, I'm sure it's just the good old boys all getting together and deciding Yeesh. how to bring people to the race. <laughs> totally, dude. That is totally how it is. And also, now, no evil against Western states. Please draw my no. name. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah, totally. Like it's a rad race, and no, and I'm just messing. That, but I don't know. Who knows? Well, let's just hope UTMB doesn't like buy Western states or something like that. Because who oh. knows? That could totally happen. I don't know. Inter- it's interesting run. with the UTMB buying Speedgoat. Oh, yeah? Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. They want to own everything, dude. It's like a monster corporation, basically. Right. But like I, I said, I still want to go back there. So, like, I, I don't know. Who am I to say it's a bad thing, you know? What's your, what's your next race? Is it Bandera? Yeah, Bandera. I'm not going to run anything until then. When is Bandera? 100K. Oh, sorry. When is it? Uh, date? When is it? I think it's like January 6th. It's like the first weekend of January. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, which is good for me because then I can get back and relax and just ski a bunch. Um, and like kind of recover that way rather than like trying to hop right back into training. Like no, regardless of how I do, like maybe I'll do well, maybe I won't do well, but doesn't matter like at the end of the day like i'll train my ass off from now until then and then you know even if i let's just say the best case scenario is getting into western states well that then i can take off like or take lightly a month basically like because it's still even though it's only 100k like if i run it really hard like i'm gonna need some time to like step away again you know like Maybe not totally stop running, but just chill out a little bit and enjoy the pow pow here in Steamboat and uh yeah, ski some ski some fresh lines, bro. <laughs> <laughs> As you're getting older, do you find it harder to recover? I know it depends all on the the course and all that, the distance. No, actually, I think I'm better at recovering now. Um, I got I should cross my fingers here because I might take a downward turn here. But no, I think that because I've been the doing this now for what ten years or something like that, like I've actually gotten better at recovering. Like not from like going out and drinking a bunch the night before. I've definitely gotten worse at that. But um, you know, ever since I turned thirty, I'm like I can't like can't do it like i did in my 20s that's for sure but um yeah with the running it's like i don't know i feel like i've gotten a little bit more resilient and honestly like because i didn't start until i was you know early 20s i think i like i'm still getting faster which is interesting like i had this dude um he was my neighbor uh growing up in pennsylvania and He's a good dude. And I was just texting him like after UTMB. And obviously I was not super stoked on that. And he's like, he wrote something like text me like, yeah, you're getting old or something like that. And I'm just like, fuck you, man. Like, <laughs> you know, like 
I'm like, I'm actually getting faster, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. He's like uh, the old man on the front porch. I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. But I don't That's know. I think the recovery is like, it, it matters. It depends on a lot of things. Like the fat, like the shorter stuff, I definitely can recover from a bit, bit faster than hundred milers. Every time I'm like, Oh, it'd be pretty sick. If like, you know, I could recover in just a couple weeks and then do this or that. And it's like, I can't lie to myself anymore. It's like, dude, it's going to be at least a month. Like before you're feeling even a little bit normal. You know, like, right. don't try to force it. Like, and I'm getting smarter, I think, in that way. So instead of like trying to jump I right think with, the next thing, you know. I think, you know, with the experience, you learn more about yourself than you, you know, you learn what you need to do to take care of yourself. You know, in the beginning, you just went out and ran as hard as you could, then dealt with it after. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I still have to deal with it after sometimes, but... <laughs> Like San Juan Solstice, I was pretty ruined this year because I really pushed pretty hard this year. But, you know, I recovered from that pretty well and was able to jump back into training like pretty quick. So, um, but yeah, definitely things are a lot different and I look at things a lot differently now. Um, I think I would like to think I'm a little bit smarter these days. I don't know if it's definitely true, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I mean, I still make bad decisions. So, <laughs> Don't well, we, we like to run these stupid races <laughs> i know and it's funny because on these podcasts and stuff and like everyone's talking like casually about running 100 milers and stuff and i always want to remind people like dude it is not normal to run 100 miles it is <laughs> it is freaking crazy it is it's nuts like every time i'm at mile 80 i'm like why am i out here this is so <laughs> stupid like it takes him that long i'm at 30 thinking that <laughs> yeah, totally. like it doesn't it's it like you can glamorize it all you want but at the end of the day dude it's like you know carl melter says like 100 miles isn't that far like okay carl okay <laughs> so, yeah, it's i love far, the thing like i don't even like to drive that far i don't either i hate driving 100 miles yeah, that's awful totally. <laughs> it sucks but, driving 100 miles it's cool though like because people that do this sport they just want to see what they can get out of themselves you know like that's what i love about the community it's just a bunch of freaks going out in the middle of the woods and like pushing themselves like to their limits and exploring their own mind and seeing what they're capable of like that's that's impressive you know it doesn't matter if you're front back middle of the pack like everybody's got their own thing going on, you know, like, and they, everybody's got their own reason for doing this, like, and signing, going to ultra sign up when they're drunk and sign up. To, <laughs> like, <laughs> I always say don't drink and ultra sign up. Yeah, totally. It's the word. It's so funny because I have a friend, Hannes, and we were, <laughs> we both DNF'd at UTMB. So we had horrible races and literally we're drinking beer at this pub afterwards and he signed up for a race on ultrasound <laughs> right there. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? You did exactly what you're not supposed to do. <laughs> uh, regard, I don't think he ended up doing it, but it's funny. Oh, that's funny. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. with the, Go ahead. What the percentage of people that uh, do drunk ultra sign up is. Because I know there's a lot of people who've done it. I don't think I ever have, but. <laughs> um, I definitely have. I've convinced other people. I know. I, you can look in our friend group and name a couple people that have been drinking in a, at a, uh, at a bar or a brewery and have signed up for stuff. I'm well, very convincing. You start talking to your buddies and stuff and you get like all pumped up and you're like, yeah, this is going to be sick, you know, like, and then, you know, the reality of it is that it is going to be sick, but it's also (laughs) going to be really hard, you know, like you're going to have to go through some shit. So, and that's kind of like, even like these lotteries, like I put my name in for hard rock and, you know, you know did an Instagram story that said like, yeah, my seventh time getting into hard rock or trying to get into <laughs> hard rock. And it's like, it is cool, but I'm like, it's hard rock, dude. It's going to be freaking difficult. If I get in, like yeah. I'm, it's going to be a struggle fest, like all the way to the finish. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever gone to hard rock just to like, check it out. But you look at these people's faces at the end of the race and it's like, man they've like found god or something you know like <laughs> right i don't know it's like they've you could tell they've gone through some i mean it's like that at any hundred miler of course but like hard rock is i mean it's some it's a 14er you know like you, it's yeah. it's high altitude shit and like real mountain running and you go through some crazy weather like so i don't know you have to be a real like real hardy person i think to finish that race and that's like what i i that's what i aspire to be i think you know watching the the golden hour at hard rock is awesome because i mean those people out there for almost two days oh, who knows God. what they've battled they've been through two nights you know totally, dude. <laughs> my friend amanda grimes uh she used to like live in steamboat they actually live in silverton now um she was dfl there one time um so that's awesome yeah, no. Shout out, Amanda. If you listen to this, <laughs> we'll make sure to send it to her on Instagram. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but she fin- she's she's done hard rock like two or three times, and she's finished each time, which is really impressive in itself. Because a lot of elite people can't say that. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of people that maybe have won the race or gone top five, and then they have freaking DNF the next year or whatever. Like, so it's. I think in a way, like it's almost more impressive. These people that are out there for almost two days, you know, like the sleep deprivation is real enough in just 24 hours. Um, I can't even imagine what it's like in that amount of time. Crazy. Me, yeah, me either. Especially, you know, at the elevation. I mean, there's no oxygen up there. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're like walking around the woods like a crazy person, man. <laughs> real. Like, it's almost like, it's almost unsafe, but you know, you, you, you prepare for these things. So you're, you're like ready for the mountains, you know, like, I don't know. It's one of those things like where sometimes you tell people that you do something and they think it's the most insane thing ever, but you're just like, well, it's just kind of like another day at the office, you know, like, (laughs) I don't know, like just what I do, like I go for a 20 mile run and then I go work you know like or something like that you know like just the way it is it's just part of life you know yeah where would we be without it yeah exactly and i don't know the end of the day i just think about like 
how much more calm I am when, even though I might be exhausted, like I'll go to work or something like that and I'll be like totally spent and exhausted. Like I'm like hardly ever angry if I do something if I, like, like just hypothetically, if I go for a 20 mile run and then I go to work, like I'm like not angry. I don't get angry. Like I'm just like more like peaceful in my mind. I think, you know, like just the whole day is just better, even though you're freaking tired and, I don't know, like hungry and whatever else, you know, like <laughs> it's more like that you just accept it or something like that. True. When I was training for uh scout mountain, I was waking up super early and running before work. <clears throat> and those were some of the best training runs I've ever had, you know, waking up at four o'clock in the morning in January and putting all your warm clothes on going out there with the headlamp on and no one's on the road. No one's on the trail. Cause it's so early. Then go to work after that everything was good yeah dude it's a it's a peaceful experience you know like just that quiet that time to yourself like i don't know and it's god i'm not a four o'clock runner i've got to say but um <laughs> yeah like when you do get up that early it's just like i don't know there's something special about the morning like that like you know here in like colorado like if we go for you know, if I plan with some buddies or whatever to go out for a big run, it's like normally we'll plan like for like pretty, excuse me, um, pretty early, like, you know, 6 a.m. or whatever. And uh, it's just like better. I don't know why that is, but it just, it's a really, it's nice to start early like that. It's just, you kind of like wake up with the whole entire universe, you know, like, you wake up with nature, you know, like the sun rises and it's just like quiet out there. And I don't know, it's like, then you could potentially be in the same area and like five hours later, it's like a zoo, you know? Very true. Early bird gets the worm, they say, you know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the sun rises here at like 10 o'clock right now. So, um, you know, you're wearing a headlamp at 9 a.m. <laughs> oh my God. I can't even imagine the Alaska life. You got to be a hardy dude to live there. Yeah, the trails are definitely uh, shut down just like yours, you know, for now. But so definitely on the road. But the race I'm training for is a pretty flat race anyway. So running treadmill, running road is probably not that bad of, a, you know, a deal. Wait, so do you have to take bear spray with you because of grizzlies? Yeah, um, I do carry bear spray. So I've only been here for like a month. So I'm not, uh, you know, one of these true like Alaskan runners. I don't know what they do. I would assume they do wear bear spray as well. Um, in my pack, one I traded out one of my my bottles for bear spray. And so okay. I carry uh, one bottle of just like nutrition. And then I carry my um, my bladder in my back. But then I traded out one of the bottles for bear spray. Yeah, dude, screw getting mauled by a grizzly bear. That would suck. Yeah, that doesn't, uh, that's not something I really want to go through. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. He's waiting for him to spray himself. Yeah, it's it's going to happen. So all, all these guys make fun of me because <laughs> it's right there. I'm, they're waiting for me to drink it or lick it or something. <laughs> but, oh my God. <laughs> so many comments on uh, Instagram have been like, I can't wait for you to, to take a drink of that one. It's like, yeah. <laughs> 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 I run faster. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily I haven't seen anything and I'm on the road right now. Cause you know, it's a lot of snow on the ground and stuff. So okay. um, I'm not on the trails, but there are some, you know, some gravel that I run on that kind of go back into the woods a little bit, but 
nothing where I think that a bear, you know, I'm not saying a bear won't come, come out, but I, I think that the areas that I'm at, you know, it's not typical for a bear to be, and it's getting into the colder months. So they're going to start hibernating. But really, I think the more concern around here is the moose. They're more uh, aggressive. Yeah. No, all about the moose. Jesus. Yeah. You don't yeah. with the moose. Holy crap, man. <laughs> we see a moose like on a daily basis. It's pretty insane. Yeah. They are the scariest. You're right. Cause they're like big, dumb, and aggressive, basically. Yeah. Um, or a bear, I think, will run away, you know, and not run away, but they don't want anything to do with you. They're going to hear you coming. Um, yeah. I don't typically wear headphones if I'm kind of going back into the woods. I'll just kind of, you know, have music on, just kind of like, you know, announce my presence. You know, it's, you're supposed to like talk and stuff like that. And I don't really have any running partners right now. So um, I'll have like a podcast or something on while I'm, you know, on my run and I'll just have it without headphones kind of blasting out. So, you know maybe that one more line of defense will help, but yeah, right. the moose are more kind of what the concern is. Cause when the snow starts hitting, they don't, they, they're not on the trails anymore. They're out on the roads cause it's easier for them to travel. So yep. that's yep. the, you know, that's the concern that we're now starting to deal with. Well, especially when it's like a mom with their baby, like, yeah, they're, I'm staying far away. I'm hoping I see them, you know, far away that i'm like oh well uh, i'm gonna turn around now <laughs> and the the frustrating part is they won't get away from you like i can't even tell you how many times we've had encounters or like whether i'm by myself or with other people like even if it's just like a gravel road they'll just be like standing there and like not let you pass they're just yeah. like no dude like you're not getting by you know <laughs> about it you know it's really frustrating. I've actually we've had to reroute. I've had to reroute a couple times actually because of it. I'm like, yeah, well, it's been like 10, 15 minutes, and this thing is not going anywhere here. Like, let's get out of here. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they're crazy. And you guys have the big ass moose up there too. They're bigger than up here in, or uh, than down here in Colorado. Yeah, I think these are the largest species of moose. The Alaska Yukon moose, I believe, is the the largest uh, species of them. But uh, yeah, they're just they're humongous up here. We have a lot of mountain lions up here, and I haven't seen one yet, but I'm pretty sure they've seen me. Yeah. But lots of people have encounters up here, which is kind of scary to think about. Yeah, they're, they're probably more like the bears, too, though. You know, like, they're going to stay away. You're not going to have too many encounters with them. And True, but if you do have an encounter, it's not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably not going to be telling the story. No, right, exactly. <laughs> I had I had no, that that girl, Amanda Grimes, that I was talking about earlier, she had an encounter like one or two years ago, right around like it was maybe a little earlier, maybe like October, like at dusk on Spring Creek. And it was like terrifying for her. And then this other girl I know had an encounter like last summer. It seems to always be in the fall for some, not always, but, and it like, she was by herself, like way on top of the mountain. And like this freaking thing, like growled at her, dude, like I would be shit in my pants man <laughs> holy crap when i lived in south dakota i had it happen twice uh both on night runs um i was with people but we i don't know if we scared it but it was it was it was actually back-to-back -back weekends so i'm like well that's the last time i run when i'm not in a race at night but uh yeah both times we got i call it screamed at not growled at but yeah it was uh Whatever. Yeah. Everyone, everyone on that trail run stopped immediately in their tracks and was like, what was that? That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, at least you were with people. That would make me feel a little bit better. Yeah, I would have turned around and gone back to the car if that would have been uh, me by myself. I wouldn't, though they probably wouldn't have done anything. I'm not going to take that chance. Yeah. My only, my only encounter with the mountain lion, I didn't see it. I wish I would have saw it. We were at Blank Cabin uh, camping at the base of Shivano after we just got done doing Shivano. And we were coming back and we had the dogs. Then it was dark. We did a full moon run. And uh, one of the dogs took off. And it took us a while to find the dog, find the dog while we're asleep in my uh, rooftop tent. And there was four dogs in my shell of my bed in the truck. And the dogs just start freaking out. Like I've never heard the dogs freak out before. Then we heard, we heard the cat trying to get into the truck. And uh, I grabbed my gun. It's about all I had. But then it took off after the dogs stood up and started barking. Well, they hate dogs. Cats cats hate dogs, so that makes sense. True, yeah. <laughs> and that, it's funny because uh, my friend Hannes was on Buff Pass Road here in Steamboat. Um, he has, like, a couple dogs. And uh, he saw a mountain lion on Buff Pass Road, and I'm like, I've never even seen one. But, like, it's clear the reason why that he saw him is because he has dogs, you know? Like, they're attracted to the dogs, you know? Like, that's so, morsels. I know. And that's the thing, too. It's like, you would think it'd be actually better to have a dog with you, but maybe it's not. I don't know. Like, have a trail dog. Yeah, I don't know. I know my dog would try to fight it, and I would be scared. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, everyone loves their dogs, but at least they're going to kill the dog and not you, probably. Well, very true. Yeah. That'd suck. I'd just take off running. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sorry. Yeah, that's sad to talk about, but it is true. <laughs> Are the black bear still a problem in Steamboat? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're a problem, but we have like a lot of bears here for sure. You get kind I mean, of like the, the garbage diggers. Yeah, totally. I mean, I live right up here on the mountain, on the ski mountain. So it's, we. I see them a lot up here. I mean, I'll walk out the front door and they'll be there like at certain times of the year, you know, mostly in like the fall or like, summer or like springtime or like kind of like when they're either coming out of hibernation or like about to go into hibernation kind of thing although i have seen him like kind of in the winter time too obviously you don't see him nearly as much then but yeah they there's a lot of bears here but i don't know you get used to that i think like i'm a lot less afraid of bears than i am like of like mountain lions honestly moose. yeah and moose like i'm not even afraid of moose i'm just like they're more of a nuisance than anything you know because it's like as long as you put a tree in between you and it or something and keep your distance like they're probably not going to mess with you but people do get charged but a lot of times it's like their own fault you know yeah especially if it's got a calf yeah totally totally but it it is pretty cool to see a moose from a distance, though. I, I I actually really enjoy that. Sometimes I'll just stop if I'm on a trail run and like they're far away and they're not in the direction I'm going. Like stop and like kind of watch them do their thing for a little <laughs> bit, you know. My buddy had uh, one 
I don't, I don't know if he'd actually charged him, but um, it was a bighorn last year. He was um, pretty early on in the course, and he was just kind of running by some some trees, and one came out about five yards from behind him. He said it came out pretty aggressively. It didn't turn up and go after him, but, um, yeah, out there at the bighorn race. So you would think that, like, you know, there's 350 people that are running that race that there would not be a critter around, but. Yeah, he's he had a moose somewhat charging. He said he was listening to something on his headphones, and he's like, he put it, he gave his uh, his crew his headphones, and he never used them the rest of the race. <laughs> <laughs> he's like scared of the moose the whole time after that. <laughs> he's <laughs> terrified of the moose, and so I never saw one when I was out there. But apparently, uh, my crew did see one when they were you know driving around, but I didn't see anything. I just saw deer, but I just thought that was super funny. I was laughing at him, like, man, you scared of some moose. So well, they're not okay. gonna eat you at least. That's true. Right. <laughs> Just <laughs> stomp a hole through you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so other than uh Bandera Nectar, what else do you got lined up or thinking about? Well, my plan is that you know, depending on how Bandera goes, if it goes well, top two, I go to Western States. If it I don't go top two, which is very possible, then there is the hard rock, hard rock, excuse me, hard rock lottery um, in December, which it's not like I'm likely to get in, but I'm getting my chances are getting better, so that's a possibility. And then my C plan is going to be run rabbit run again because you Why know, not? dude, I don't know. I just like I really want to win that race so bad because I've run it four times i've finished it three and i've done well one time i was fourth which is like good but it was like not what i you know i think i can i I think i can do it if everything goes well and you know i want to do it not because of the money but like i live here like all right Dude, it would be so sick if like somebody from Steamboat won that race, you know? Like right. everyone would be so stoked about that. Like, and it's just something I've been working on, you know? Like I've been working on that race and I know I don't even need to train the course really that much anymore. I think I was in such good shape two years ago to I was in the best shape of my life. I had run, I was running so much, dude. But maybe I overdid it a little bit even, but I lost vision in my right eye, probably, I don't know, like less than halfway through the race, which I have no idea why it happened. But um, people have said it was, there's like a bunch of different reasons why pe- people say it happened. People say it has to do with glucose levels, altitude was another one, and then... um dust like on the trails and stuff like that which i actually think that might be it but i don't i don't really know so it was like freaky man like i'm like at miles freaking 50 like with can't see out of my right eye and i just keep blinking and blinking i'm like thinking like ah, it'll go away it'll go away and like sure enough i can't see out of my right eye for like the until the sun came up the next day and <laughs> It was really kind of freaky, man. It freaked me out. And I almost dropped out at like mile 75 or whatever. Um, 
And like, luckily Dakota Jones rolled into that aid station and he had blown up and he's like, Hey Devin, like, why don't I'm, I'm in a, I'm doing pretty bad. I'm having a bad time in a bad way. He's like, why don't you just like join me and like walk this out with me? And I didn't want to do it, but eventually I was like, all right, sick. Like, yeah, let's do this, man. So we like basically for the most part, we like walked the last marathon together and like got it done. But, and like, once the sun came out, I got my vision back, but it was just like, it sucked because I was very well prepared and in better shape than I was when I got fourth there. So it's like, I really want to do that race again and do well, you know, I mean, who knows how many times it'll take to get it right. You know, like, you have to run well, like the whole day and the whole night, you know, like, yeah, you can't really like, there's not a lot of room for error in that race. Um, and it's a tricky one because it starts at noon, um, for the elites or the elites or the fast people, right? They have two groups and then there's like the hares and the tortoises. And then the tortoises start at like eight in the morning. So like, you're like passing these people throughout the day. Right. Um, and there's just a lot of it's on paper. It doesn't look as hard as it is. Um, and every time anyone does it, they're like, man, that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I'm like, yeah, dude, like, <laughs> it is hard. Um, you have to go through the night, which is tough, but a lot of times during the day, it's really hot. And then the night, once you get up to 10,000 feet, it's September and it's freezing up there. I mean, it could get down to like 20 degrees, you know, like, really really cold up there um it's just it's deceivingly difficult that race and i don't know it's definitely one that i always ask myself like do you want to do this race because you think you need to do it or like you feel like you should do it or like what deep down in your heart do you want to do like and those are the three races that i want to do like and if Western and hard rock don't work out, like that's what I asked myself. I'm like, well, if Western and hard rock don't work out, what do you want to do deep down in your heart? Not because of like competition or whatever. Like, I'm like, well, I want to do my home race, dude. Like it's literally the start line is a mile from my door. You know, like I run these trails all the time. Like I love it out here, you know, like, I don't know. It sounds in your own bed, stupid, but it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's awesome, man. Like the community around here is sick. Like we've got our little Wednesday night group tr trail group runs that are over now, but, um, it's like a, it's a small community here in steamboat for runners. Cause like I said, it is a, a ski bike town, but it's like pretty tight knit, you know, like, and everyone's really chill. Like we go for like an hour or so and then drink some beers in the parking lot after on Wednesday nights, you know, like it's cool. I like it. That's how it should be. Yeah, totally. Well, Devin, it's been a pleasure. We're going to uh, start to wrap it up. And we have a couple of questions we always like to ask our guests. The first one is, what kind of gear are you using? Like shoes, shorts, from head to toe? Oh, man, the gamut, dude. Um, head to toe. I mean, I still have a, my first running shirt that my mom bought me. Like, um which is probably it's like got holes in it and stuff. And it's just this blue, like old starter shirt, but 
Yeah, I don't really like I'm not committed to any one brand. I have these Patagonia shorts I like a lot, but as shoes are obviously the main thing that you really need to rely on. Um I have historically run in a lot of New Balance trail shoes. Um and like the racing flats for road shoes. I like I'm kind of like a more of a minimal guy. I'd like to be a little closer to the ground. Um and they haven't really like come out with any good trail shoes in the last couple of years. I've been like finding the uh Summit Unknowns, New Balance Summit Unknown V2s for like 75 bucks on like Amazon or whatever. So I've just been like stocking up on those. But I also like I have a ton of different shoes like um Sabrina Stanley hooks me up with some like Adidas. We have the same size shoe, so she hooks me up with some <laughs> some like uh Adidas adidas shoes and they're pretty sweet and uh those are my I've, like, favorite ones right a lot now I of love solomons those. too a lot of solomons in the past um i don't know like i'll wear whatever i actually just ordered a pair of the normals killian journey's new brand um so i have those in the mail right now i'm super stoked on those but um can't wait to hear about got, those. what's that you can't wait to hear about those yeah i know i'm excited i hope that i like them like i'm I have a feeling I'm going to like them, but I like the idea that they're going to last a long time. And these days I do judge shoes, not just based on the quality, but also based on the price point. Cause I think there are some brands out there that charge like a ridiculous amount of money for a pair of shoes. And I'm like, well, that's some elitist shit, you know, like, <laughs> um, and I, I also just bought these new racing flats by new balance. They're like the, uh, super comp like pacers or something like that they're they're basically a road flat that has a carbon plate my first carbon plate shoe so i've been using those for like fast like road workouts um which i i like them it's it's different for me because i've always worn really flexible shoes um in the forefront but these ones have a carbon plate so they're not quite as flexible so it's interesting like i'm like well i guess i i guess i like them they're not very versatile but i think i like them like trying to convince myself that I like them, but (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know, like shoes, I'll wear it. I'll try anything to be honest. Like my friend, you'll talk to Avery and he runs for speed land. And I'm like, yo, do you give me the homie hookup on those speed lands, man? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like, I'm not going to pay 500 bucks for a pair of shoes. I can tell you that right now. Not happening. Not at all. Nope. I don't care how good they are. As far as like, packs and stuff like i did i've always worn like ultimate direction um and i've always kind of been a handheld guy up until i started training for utmb and you have to carry a bunch of shit with you and i got my first solomon pack and now i understand why people wear the Solomon. <laughs> they're really sick man like they are yeah, incredible yeah dude they're lo- like they make a lot of sense the whole the whole the entire way that their design makes a lot of sense so it's really hard to beat them. I've gone from, you know, Nathan to Solomon and uh, tried a couple different ones. And it's just like, it's hard to beat the Solomon pack. They got it figured out. Well, the research and development that's gone into like all of Solomon's products over the years is incredible. I mean, they've, they're depth, they've, they've been a leader in the whole entire sport for years. So, I mean, it's no surprise. Once that, uh, those norm, normal vests come out, I'm going to buy one. Oh, they have their own vest too? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right on. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And you know, Killing did most of the the research and design on the Solomon vest. So, yeah, I, I can only imagine what it's going to be now. 
Yeah, totally. And uh, and Dakota Jones just won the uh, Havelina 100 in less than 13 hours for uh, um, course record and the normal shoes. So I'm like, well, Killian wears them and Dakota <laughs> wears them. So I'm like, they must be pretty good, you know? I'm going to be a winner. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm at least going to try to feel like one. <laughs> I'd shave like 13 seconds off of my time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, whatever. 13 seconds is 13 seconds. Take it. All right. Our, the next question we always like to ask our guests is who should we uh, interview next? Um, who, who do you look up to or someone that would be a great conversation or has a great story? I think you guys should interview my buddy, Jesse, that I was talking about earlier that lives in Alaska. Um, he's not on social media. He is not into that kind of thing, but I could give you his contact info. He's really interesting dude, man. Like comes from like road marathoning ish background kind of, but he's mostly into like Nordic skiing and he coaches and he's been like a chemistry professor and like he uh he hunts and he like he's just a really like well-versed dude and like i said like he's the only person that i'll take out on like a really long run and not be worried about like he could be totally out of running shape and he'll just like stick it out he's just a tough dude so yeah he's a pretty interesting guy to talk to sweet well we'll have to we'll have to get him on here if he's willing yeah, totally. Well, Devin, it was a great conversation. Glad you came on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, we'll good to, chat. We'll have to do it again after you win Bender and get that golden ticket. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. This podcast has been produced and edited by Backbeat Sound. Come and find us on Instagram at BackbeatSound1776 or email us at BackbeatSound1776 at gmail.com. <laughs>